Hello, mic test. It's good to be in church. There is no better place to be on a day like this than to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. You know, you could be going somewhere else. You could be in the beach. You could be in a shopping mall. You could be somewhere. But there's something about putting your priority where it needs to be. Knowing that we're living for the Lord and for nothing else. Remember we talked about it last time? We said live, worship. You and I created to worship God. If you are not a Christian, no matter where, you will still be worshiping some kind of a God. But we worship a living God. So thank God for that. Last week, you were in your camp. We talked about living with a focus in mind. Because unless you have a vision in place, you will just be going different directions. You need to have a vision as a, as a person, as a family, as a church. You better know what you're doing. You need to be going a certain direction. And we said our vision is to focus on God. And this morning, we talk about living with a mission. And I'd like to share with you that this is one of my concerns as far as understanding what it means to have a mission in life. Now, let me share with you a survey taken by Christianity Today and Zondervan Publishers. They took a survey asking, what are Christians all about? And they found out that there are five kinds of Christians. Are you ready for this? Five kinds of Christians. And I'm going to ask you, right where you are, you don't have to raise your hands, all right? Ask yourself, where do I fall in these five categories? Five kinds of Christians. I was surprised because I thought there were only two kinds, all right? The saved and the lost, which is true. But five kinds of Christians, this is what they found out. They said 20% of Christians in America today are what you call active Christians. What does it mean by that? They believe that the only way you can be saved is through faith in Christ. Amen? I hope you fall in that category too. What else? They also believe that they are committed to the Word of God. They love reading God's Word. They also enjoy what it really means to, to be serving in leadership. They love to serve wherever God places them in church. They'd like to volunteer. says, ah, put me in leadership. I want to serve God. They, they also like to share their faith. Is that okay? 20% of Christians are in that active category. Let me give you a second category. And by the way, it doesn't get any better from here. 20% of Christians are what you call professing Christian. If you're a Filipino, forgive me if I use this word, all right? Hindi sa puso, kundi sa muso, all right? Uh, it, it, it's, it's not in the heart, but it's just in the mouth. Professing Christian. In other words, they believe that they can be saved through Christ. They also believe in a personal relationship with God. In other words, they say, oh, I want to be close to God. But here's when it becomes a problem. For them, to witness is an obligation. Parabang, I have to talk about God to other people. Not only that, but what happens here is that for them, it looks like reading the Bible once in a while. In other words, they profess to be Christians, but when you look at it, it's almost like on a part-time basis. Then you have what you call a liturgical Christian. What is a liturgical Christian? Somebody who likes to go to church because they're religious. It's expected. They like to do activities for God. They even help a lot of doing things in the community. They even look at church authority as people that they have to look up to. So we have a lot of liturgical groups. 
And then here's the two where I'm very, very concerned about in America today because these are supposed to be the highest. They call them private Christians. What does it mean? They usually are the younger ones. Not only that, but they're also the ones that I would say uh, the biggest group. And what is their belief? It says here, for them, be, knowing God is a, is a personal thing. So what does it mean? It means... For me, what's most important is that I know God, but it's personal. I don't have even go, have to go to church. Why? Because I find God anywhere. You know what? I can, I can worship God in the mall. You know, it's personal. You don't, you don't have to tell me about church. In other words, only one third of these people go to church. Everything is so personal that they don't even want to share their faith. Why? I don't want to offend you because it's personal. They talk about relationship with God. They're religious, but it's personal. They don't want to offend anybody. They don't even want to share their faith. Listen to this. They have their Bibles, but they don't read their Bibles. Sound familiar? We have a lot of Christians are called private Christians. It's all about me and God. That's it. As though everything is revolving around my personal relationship with God. Have you noticed the word? personal relationship with God becomes so personal it's all about you I don't they, don't they don't want to be involved in church they don't want leadership they don't want responsibilities private Christians now the last kind of Christians are what you call it becomes even terrible for this what you call cultural Christians these are the ones that when you look at their lives their lives does not match their Christian faith they grew up because if by the way, this is found in many religions. If you are a Jewish person, you are a Jewish person, maybe a Jewish in their faith, but in practice they're not Jewish. You're not supposed to eat pork, but they'll eat pork. Cultural, all right? Some people also, when you talk about cultural Christians, these are the people, they say they're Christians, but their lifestyle doesn't match. Oh, I've met some people, or I, I, I've gone fishing out there, and we're fishing. He says, hey, what are you doing? So when, when they ask me what I'm doing, that's my chance to talk about the Lord. Oh, I, I work for this place where I'm a consultant and I help churches. Oh, what are you? A Baptist. And the guy's like, he's drinking. Oh, I'm a Baptist too. <laughs> you know, I feel like, oh, if I can just say, don't even claim to be a Baptist or Christian, right? And, and all of a sudden you can hear his mouth, his language. It's filthy. But you know, it says... I'm a Christian too. Cultural Christians. Folks, these are the things that turn people away from the church today. Because our lives does not match. As a matter of fact, let me share with you even one cultural Christian. If you're not careful, it's so subtle. You know what they say? Oh, by the way, all religions, they all go to God. If you just be okay, you're okay, you're okay. We're all going to be okay. All religions will go to God. Sounds familiar? I hear that all the time, all right? However, I start to ask questions. So if all religions go to God, if you're going to be good, and all religions are good, you're going to be do your best, you're going to make it to God, you know what? All of, everybody will go to heaven, right? Do you think everybody's going to go to heaven? We don't even need the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the questions I'm going to have, ask you this morning, because we need to have a mission. So if you're a Christian, 
What are you going to do about the Great Commission? Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Go and make disciples of all people. If you're a Christian, if you say all religions go to God, then I don't have to go and make disciples, right? Why do I have to go and tell people about Jesus Christ? Here again, Christ claimed, I am the only way. How are you going to do that? John chapter 14. If all religions go to God, then Christ must be making a mistake to saying, I am the only way. How do you reconcile it with the word of God? I'm just, I'm just asking. If you're a believer, you say every religion goes to God. What else? When Christ's mission said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. If Christ came here to save the lost, there has been a mission, there, there is a mission for him to be here, then that must be my mission as well, to seek those that are lost. So there are only two kinds of people. The saved and the lost. And with this, you have to remind, the most important thing that matters is what happens at the cross. It's not about education. It's not about culture. It's about the cross, why Christ came. So let me ask you, where do you stand? Are you a private Christian? Are you a cultural Christian? Are you a professing Christian? Are you an active Christian? You better ask yourself. Where do I stand in terms of my relationship with Christ? And so this morning, I want us to look at Romans chapter 10. If we're going to have a mission this morning, let's let us understand what our mission is all about. Romans chapter 10. Got your Bibles with you because I'm going to make sure that we understand clearly what is your mission and my mission. Romans chapter 10. Let me just read it in context, starting from verse 1. I know we can read from verse 9 to 15, but let me start from verse 1. Romans chapter 10, starting from verse 1. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire, Paul is saying here, and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they might be saved. He was praying for the Israelites. Who are the Israelites? These are his kababayan. These are his countrymen. In other words, Paul was concerned about the people that were close to him. In America, he was concerned about the Americans. If you're Native American, he was concerned about Native Americans. If you're Filipino, Chinese, whatever, he was concerned about his own people. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. People that have zeal and are religious. Verse 3, since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Verse 4, Christ is the culmination of the law so that they may be righteousness for everyone who believes. They're saying, hey, it's not about their being righteous, they're going to be saved, but to Christ. Verse 5, Moses writes about this righteousness that is by the law. The person has these things will live by them. If righteousness is by doing good works, folks, none of us can make it. If you think you can be saved by doing good works, before you die, you better make sure you've got enough good works to overcome your deficiencies. God says all our good works is like filthy rags. You can never please God by your good works. Religions in all the world today, I was just talking to somebody this morning. We're talking about all religions. All religions say you've got to do this to please God and therefore you need to perform. You always need to be at your very best to please God. And if you can please God, then God says, I'm going to suck it to you. Why? Because you're not living to my standard. And what is God's standard? Perfection. If you can reach perfection, I don't know how you're going to do it. 
good luck. Nobody can really make it under perfection. We're all under the law. We've all failed. No matter who you are. If you say, I haven't, Paul says, we all have sinned. All. What does all mean? So if you think you're religious over here, you're better than what the Word of God says. All have sinned. All right? You can't even uh, outperform Apostle Paul, who tried to be so religious. All have sinned. And therefore, it's not about performance. It is only by faith and grace. What does that mean? It means Christ has done it once and for all, and you don't have to pay for it anymore. That law has been fulfilled to Christ. Let's continue here. But the right, verse 6, But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? The, uh, the question. Or to bring down to Christ down? Who will ascend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. Verse 9, here it is. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. What does it say? You will be saved. What does it mean to be saved? Confess your mouth. Believe in your heart. What does it mean there? Does, does it take any kind of good works on your part? What do you have to believe? You need to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. It's so simple to say, Christ, you died in my place. Therefore, I need to accept this by faith. But what's the second part? Confess. You need to say it. You must be willing to say this means so real to me that I'm willing to tell people about this faith that I have. I remember when, uh, when my wife said, my wife doesn't want me to use illustrations about her. I have, sorry dear, I have to use this, I know. But I need to say this, all right? When she said yes to me, when she said it is mutual, oh, that's, that word is so nice. <laughs> By the way, I believe in that, right? I believe that she loved me. But guess what? Did I keep it to myself? Listen, when I got home, when I saw my friends, what did they say? Right? She, she believed in me, but she also confessed with her mouth that she loves me, right? The same way with God. I said, Lord, I believe in you, but I need to what? I need to say it. If you cannot even say it, it means it's not real to you. Folks, there's so many people today who claim to be Christian, but they can't even speak about Christ. Shame on us, because sometimes people use the word of Christ in a different way for cussing, right? I say, hey, do you believe in Christ too? No, 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 I'm sorry. Why do you use his name? Well, I say because I'm offended when you use his name in that way, because for me, Christ is so personal and so real. So we need to confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. So what is it that I'm trying to share with you this morning? Only two things. I hope you remember, because I don't want it to be so complicated. The only th two things you need to know are submission. Are you ready for this? Number one, you need to know Christ. You need to know Christ in a way that you are willing to believe and to confess Him. That's what it says. Believe and confess. You need to be able to share it. Where does it begin? It begins with your family, your friends, with your neighbor, because it's so real, it's overwhelmingly great that you can keep it to yourself. By accepting Christ, by believing Him, by confessing Him as our Lord and Savior, but also be willing to die to self. Those of you who are on a mission trip, remember the ABC? Accept, admit, 
believe, confess. But let me add a letter D here. We must be willing to die to ourselves. Because many times we still hold on to ourselves and not live for Christ. So know Christ and to make him known. So number one, you need to know Christ. You make sure you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is what? Lord. What does the word Lord mean? Come from the word curious. It means he takes full control of every area of our lives. The question is, is he really the Lord of your life? Look at your bank books. Who's the Lord of your life? Look at your time. Where do you spend most of your time? Look at your investments. Look at your activities. If Christ is really the Lord of your life, your time, your trash, your talents, everything is used for the Lord. If God is using you in music, then you're using your talents for the Lord. If God is using you as a businessman, make money for the Lord. If you are in the medical field, then treat people for the Lord. If you're in the financial field, you give. Why? Because you're living for Him. You made Him the Lord of your life. The question in America today, we've compartmentalized Christ. Oh, Sunday, that's for the Lord. But Monday to Saturday, that's my time. The problem is, God is supposed to be the Lord of our life. And every facet of our life needs to be under His control. Now let me go to the second part, because this is where the mission is going to be focused on. Know Christ. What is the second part? Make Him known. Where do I get that? Open to Romans chapter, chapter 10. Come on, follow after me here. Verse 14. How then can they call on the one that they, they have not what? Believe in. And how can they believe in the one whom they have not what? Heard. And how can they hear without somebody what? Preaching or telling them. And how can anyone preach unless they're what? Is, is there a plan here? Folks, it's so simple. I hope you and I understand what your mission and my mission is. Number one, we need preachers. Now, you don't have to be a preacher like me. What is a preacher? Somebody who speaks God's word. Can you speak God's word? Of course you can. Or don't feel like, oh, I'm not the pastor. I can Listen, you can preach. Well, I don't know how to preach. Oh, wait, yeah, your wife, your husband also to preach. Sometimes your kids want to preach to you. They want to tell you some things, right? But let's tell people the great things about God. There's somebody who needs to be willing to preach. Second, you need to proclaim the message. What is the message? Christ died. He was buried for our sins. And he wrote to that we might have new life. We need to be able to preach the message. What's the third thing? We need to make sure that people are hearing the message. And lastly, we need to make sure that people are believing the message. So how does it happen? We need to go. One of the words that's used here, I like it. It says, feet. Beautiful are the feet of them who shares the good news. Have you noticed why did the Lord use the word feet? There's something about feet, all right? There's something important about feet. So I ask people, show me your feet. Some people, I don't, I, don't, I don't want you to look at my feet. They're not beautiful. They have big toes and what. But God says those feet can be beautiful. When can you consider feet as beautiful? Why are they beautiful? You know why? Because the feet will bring you wherever you need to go. 
You may have, the, your eyes may be here, but where will your feet, wherever your feet goes, that's where you go, even if your eyes are over there, right? Because your feet will help set the directions. But not only that, let me show you why I think feet are so beautiful. There's a lot of talk, but not a lot of walking. Our talk needs to match our what? Our walk. That's the reason why I believe that the feet are so beautiful because the way you walk, the way your feet walks determines where you go and what your lifestyle is. What's nice about walking? Because your feet will take you where you need to be. If you notice it, when you witness to somebody, Sister Sharon, when you go to the library, because your feet goes there. Where your feet goes, that's where you build relationship. Why are you in church? Because your feet took you here, right? Because there you build relationship. There it shows your priority. There's something beautiful about feet. How beautiful are the feet of those who spread the good news? Feet speaks about our relationship. What else? It also speaks about our priority. They're beautiful. Why? Because it's very personal. My feet takes me to where I want to be with that person. Because my feet tells me that this is where I need to be. I think there was a brother that just came over here today. I'm so glad that somehow his feet just took him around this area. And he saw the place. I'm so glad that you and I have brought our feet here. Because your feet tells us whether they're beautiful or not. This feet can also bring us to places you don't want to be. It can also do things that are not right. You can, you know. And sometimes this feet also hits me at my very back too. I need it because sometimes my feet needs to be worn because I'm not doing the right thing. I, I need to remind myself that I need to be where I should be. So what do I like about this plan? It's very simple, this mission. Number one, it's very sensible because people will only hear God's news if you and I are willing to go and tell them. Those of you who have been on a mission trip, remember the mission trip group we have over here? I just wish that everybody can go on a mission trip to the Philippines. But you know what? The mission trip does not only have to be once a year. It is my prayer that mission trip needs to be the rest of our lives. If we follow the same principle, it should make sense. Why every day needs to be a mission trip wherever you live? Why you need to ask people, pray for me. Like what you said, pray for Sister Jeanette. And church, we need to be praying for one another. Because when I go there, I'm going to share Christ. And there's something beautiful about sharing Christ. When people's lives are changed, folks, that is the greatest joy you have. Talk about these missionaries. When you see somebody come to know about the Lord Jesus Christ, that is a joy that nobody can rub away from you. All the things of this world are all temporary. You can buy the most beautiful handbag. There are even names of bags that I don't even remember their names. My wife and I went to the store in Charlotte, South Park. I don't even know about this place, but we stumbled by by mistake, all right? We were walking and says, wow, what's that store, you know? I didn't even want to go inside because I felt like, I don't think these people will even mind me here because I don't think I wear those kinds of clothes. And like, they were like, maybe I was wearing a Kmart special shirt. They didn't like to look at me, all right? I don't know. But there was something about these stores. But when I think about it, folks, that is great, right? 
But have you realized they're all temporary? Those people will give you attention so you can buy their stuff, right? But when you leave this place, the people working there won't recognize you because they already finished selling the stuff to you. But you just kind of feel, oh, I feel good. For how long? Only for a short time. Later on, that bag maybe falls in one of your collections, and that's it. It doesn't satisfy. All you do, all these kinds of stuff, the only thing that really gives us pure joy is to see somebody come to know Jesus Christ. Because that person's joy will continue to remind you that thank God because of you, I am now saved for all eternity. Have you listened to the word? All eternity versus in a short time of leisure. Folks, it's a sensible plan. Second, it's a spirit-enabled plan. If you are going to be witnessing for the Lord as a mission, remember Acts 1.8? And you shall be, be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit was given not only for your own personal enjoyment. Oh, people say, oh, God, fill me with your spirit. Why? Because when I'm filled, I can do also great stuff. Not for yourself. The Holy Spirit was given to, to empower us so we can be his witnesses. Never for personal use. If you're filled with the spirit, so you can even be bolder in Acts. If you read the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, 8, and verse 4, 29, it says, Holy Spirit of God, fill me so I will be bold witness. Not for personal reasons. But many times we ask the Holy Spirit for our own personal reason. What else? It is a very simple plan. Go and make disciples. Matthew chapter 28. You need to baptize them. What else? Teaching them to observe, to love God and to love others. And God says, wherever you go, I'm going to empower you. It is a very simple plan. Why? Because that was God's mission. That needs to be your mission and my mission. Let me give an example of what it means to be empowered. Da Vinci, a great painter, he was painting this great masterpiece. And there was this apprentice kind of watching. Every stroke that he was making, said, and you could see this, this young apprentice saying, wow. He could see the canvas starting to become more into life. And then he was at his final face, the very last face, the finishing touches. He takes that brush and said to his apprentice, go ahead, finish it. You can see the apprentice, what? Finish this masterpiece? I might ruin it. You're the master. Why should you allow me to finish the touches on, on this painting? You know what Da Vinci says? Because you've seen me how I made this painting so beautiful. You've seen me how I do it. Now give your very best as you put the finishing touches. In other words, Christ said, I've already set the example. I've done the very best. I've given you the Holy Spirit. Here's the brush. Help me finish the job. Folks, the Holy Spirit is going to enable every one of us to finish the job of making disciples of all people. God, I can't do it. Yes, he knows that. That's why he gives you the Holy Spirit. He knows that, that you and I are very timid. He says, but I believe in you. There is no other plan. In other words, if God believes the plan would not have made it, he wouldn't have given us the Holy Spirit. But he knows we couldn't do it on our own. He gave us the Spirit so we can finish the job. How does this relate to my life? Folks, no matter where you are, you can make a difference for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me share with the story of one guy that I personally knew. His name was Doug Nichols. In the Philippines, he started a ministry called uh, Christ for Greater Manila. 
CGM. But before he was in, in the Philippines, he was with uh, Operation Mobilization in 1967 in India as a missionary. And what he did, he wanted to witness to the Indian people. So what he did, he, he tried to tell people about the Lord, but people would reject him. Well, he, 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 he contracted tuberculosis. So the next thing you know, he was brought to a sanitarium. It was one of those public places because he was not a rich missionary. So while he was there, he gave people tracts about Christ. He gave it to the patients, to the nurses, to the doctors. You know what the Indian people would do? They would reject him. He says, I don't want that. They rejected his gesture of giving tracts. Well, he was inside his sanitarium lying down in that bed. As he was coughing, early in the morning, he saw an old man in one of the beds. The old man was trying to get out of the bed. And every time he get back to the bed, tried to stand up, he was so weak, he would fall back to the bed again. He kept doing it early in the morning. And, and, and the more he did it, the more he got so exhausted that he laid back again in the bed. The following day, as the nurses and doctors came around, they realized this old man was trying to go to the bathroom. And so he did his thing in the bed. So the whole place just stunk. And so you can see the nurses, they were slapping him. Why did you do that? They were, they were mistreating him. Because this old man couldn't go to the bathroom. And Don Nichols, who was a missionary, saw this thing. Well, the following day, the following morning, as he was also coughing himself, he saw the old man try to get out of the bed again. He was struggling. He, he just watched. And as, he thought that maybe he could do it. And the more he tried, the old man once again got so exhausted, he just lied down, feel like he couldn't make it. Doug Nichols, he says, he said, from a purely human part, feel like, I don't want this place to stink. So I probably need to bring him to the toilet. But not only that, I need to do this in the name of Christ. So he picked up the old man. He carried his old man. He was so light. He brought him to the hole. To the, you know, in, in places, just a hole. And this old man was there. He had to hold the old man there to make sure he did his thing. Then he brought him back and put him in the bed. And he went back to sleep. The following day, people started to come to his bed. One, one Indian guy says, uh, have some coffee. He was surprised. Somebody offered him coffee. The next thing you know, some people says, you know that tract that you were giving out? Give me, give me those tracts. I want to read it. It was in their language. The nurses and the doctors, they started to pick up the tract. And one time there was, a, there was an evangelist that came to the town. And this evangelist started to preach. And people who got the tract, according to the story, more than seven or eight people came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because Doug Nichols, who picked up somebody and brought him to the toilet and gave that tract, realized that this person did it in the name of Christ. What a beautiful feat he has. My friend, as I close this, after this morning's message, let me ask you, how beautiful are your feet? Have you done your mission part? Not only knowing Christ, but making him known. I'm going to make one more challenge here. We've been now in this church for almost two years. One of the things I'm going to ask you seriously here, if you truly believe in this mission here, I'm going to ask you, who have you brought to the Lord Jesus Christ in the last two years that we've been together? I'm not going to ask you, all right, to prove to me by telling me, just show me. Who have you invited to this church, to your small group, to your home, to your relationship? How beautiful are your feet that you're going where people need to hear about Christ and you share the gospel with them or share the relationship. Why? Because that is what is expected of us. So in closing, let me ask you this application right there on the board here. 
Could you please ask the Lord to give you beautiful feet? And say, Lord, give me an opportunity to share Christ in my relationship, my job with lost people. Second, can you ask God to give you the burden and the boldness to share Christ with others? Third, would you please start sharing your story of what Christ has done in your life? Just share your story. People want to hear, why, why are you a Christian? Talk about it. Confess with your mouth. And lastly, set your feet on the vision that God wants every one of us to be doing. What is it? Become fishers of men. He said, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. If that is our mission, if you just come to church just for your sake, then this church is a country club. It means you come and just let us minister to you. We'll feed you. We'll sing for you. And then afterwards, you feel good, just put your tithe and offering like your, like your tip, and then you leave. Church is a country club. Or you come here and say, because I'm here, because Christ has placed me here, because I have a mission. I want to be a part of the vision of this church so we can go out and reach out to many lost people who don't know the Lord. Remember, there are only two kinds of people, the saved and the lost. There's so many lost people around us. If you don't see it, I pray, God, open up my eyes. They're lost because they have no hope. They have no direction. They have no Christ in their life. And we need to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our mission. It hasn't changed. Why? Because Christ shared with us, I came to seek and save that which was lost. I was once lost. But now I'm found. And now I see. It's my turn. Let's close in prayer. Well, every heads are bowed and every eyes are closed. Remember what I said this morning. There are two things that need to happen if you're going to have a mission. Number one, you need to know Christ. In other words, you cannot share somebody that you don't know. But second, you need to make Christ known to others. While every heads are eyebrows are closed. If you still don't know Christ, you may be going to church. But if you haven't yet believed in your heart and confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not yet saved, my brother, my sister, my kababayan, my friend. Because it's only when you confess with your mouth and accept Christ that you are a believer. And so I'm going to give you that opportunity this morning. If you've been coming to church for a long time, but you haven't yet made that step, please don't let this go day go by without making that decision. And all you need to do is to say a simple prayer that goes like this. God, I realize that I am a sinner. That I have done things my own way. I realize this morning that you love me and you died on the cross for me and for my sins. I know, Lord, that I cannot save myself. But thank you that you saved me by giving me your son, Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I open up the door of my heart. Dear Lord, come in. Forgive me for my sins. I believe that you love me. You died for me. And I confess with my mouth this morning that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And my desire today, dear Lord, is to live for you. Thank you for giving me the gift of eternal life. And I love you. If you pray that prayer this morning, today, you can be assured that Jesus Christ is now in your life 
and you now know him as your Lord and your Savior. But my brother, my sister, it doesn't stop there. And for those of you who may have done this in the past, the second step is even important. Make him known. You can say, Lord, I want to be a part of that great mission. And I'm sorry if I haven't really been serious about this. But if that's what you expect of me as a believer and a follower of Christ, I want to commit to you today. And you can say it a simple prayer that goes like this. God, I surrender my life fully to you. I make you the Lord of my life. Now that you are in my heart and in my life, give me the boldness and the burden to share Christ with my loved ones, my friends, my neighbors, my office mates, and to anyone, the Lord, who doesn't know you because I know they're lost. And I pray that they might come to know Christ the way that I've known you. Open up the opportunities for me to do this, dear Lord. Fill me with your spirit so I can share this with boldness and also with power. And thank you, Lord, because you promise that wherever I go, you're going to be with me. Make my feet beautiful, Lord, as I share Christ with those who've never heard about you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, if we do that, to know Christ and to make him known, you're on a mission. Live with a mission in mind to share Christ with others. As we sing this song, pray that this will be our, our human response. This is between you and the Lord. If you want us to pray with you, if you want to become a part of this church, I haven't made this offer in the past yet. If you'd like to be a part of this church and you believe in the mission and vision of this church, we invite you to come. Come forward and we would like to uh, ask you to be a part of a, a membership class. If you haven't yet been baptized, the Bible says not only accept the Lord, you need to be baptized. Say, Lord, I want to be identified with you. Come. We'd like to pray with you so we can help you understand what it means to obey the Lord. Or if you can come with any kind of burden and you want somebody to pray with you, Pastor Chris and I, some of the leaders of the church can pray with you. But as we sing this song, this is your invitation to come, if you just want to come. But you can also see us after church today. So let's all stand as we sing this hymn of response to the Lord. Whatever decision you made, if you want to be part of our church, be baptized, or to be prayed for, why don't you come as we sing this uh, hymn of response?